Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, I'd just like to begin today's episode by apologising for last week's heinous crime of forgetting to ensure that my microphone was turned on. Uh, myself and Matt Wisdom of The Athletic had an excellent discussion about Crystal Palace's regeneration, uh, and I ruined it by sounding like I was talking to him via paper cup and string. Um, today, though, we have another week, another episode, another guest. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome Mark Lambert, a recruitment video set piece and opposition analyst who has worked for various clubs in various capacities. Uh, and it isn't really hard to see why, given the areas of expertise which he has. Um, Mark is currently writing a book uh, about the history of AS Roma and, and Roman legend, uh, Unico Grande Amore, it's called, and that'll be available next year. But he hails from the Netherlands, and that is today's topic of conversation. Um, always a great league to scout, uh, especially if you're looking for standout young players. And you know, this year's no different. Um, Mark, welcome to the Scouted Pod. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, looking forward to discussing some some players in the Air Division and the Airster Division as well, which is, uh, I think, you know, uh, people kind of overlook it a little bit, but it's quite a good standard of, of second division, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the level uh, of, of, of play doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's like a very top league in second tier, but I think that the way of playing, the philosophy in that second division or the second tier um, it's instrumental for the belief to uh, grow on to the Eredivisie, but also a lot of English uh, clubs, uh, UK clubs, have scouted in the in the first division, Eredivisie, and um, yeah, yeah, there are some players who made made the step from there to League One, League Two, and I think uh, it's it's kind of overlooked. Yeah, definitely. I think I agree with that there. Uh, and we'll get into that uh, in, in a little while. But um, just as sort of an introduction for yourself, Mark, um, you know, you've worked as a professional scout and analyst. Um, you've got a, a connection with VVV Venlo, um, but you've also got your UEFA B license. Uh, and I'm just curious to, to know about the different types of scouting and analysis work that you've done, you know, with you know being an opposition analyst, uh, recruitment analyst, uh, set piece analysis as well. I think anyone who's followed you on Twitter will have seen uh, the threads that you've done. Uh, about different teams as set pieces and they're really fascinating to see um you know the what, what, what's it like working in, in your capacity um it's, it's interesting <laughs> first of all um yeah i've done different kinds uh different types of scouting and and, and anal analysis i think the main thing is that i started as an academy scout um and i can really recommend that in if you want to learn learn actual scouting so focus on the attributes of the player how players behave in, in different scenarios and games um, and, 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 and recognize talent so recognize talent 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 doesn't mean that a player is there already but it has the potential to grow into something like a first team player doesn't matter the level if it's the fourth division or, or first division or away for Champions League or whatever um, the idea and the capacity to recognize talent uh, for academies is something that's very valuable um, later on when you uh, are judging young players to come into a first team. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how you, well, some people say proper scouting. That's how you, you, you go to, to matches and, and scout players and assess their abilities and write reports and uh, deliver them to, you know, your coordinator or your um, whoever is in charge of recruitment. Um, 
and from that from there on uh, i made the little steps to the first team uh, i did some recruitment analysis um and, and actually uh you can scout out in the open go to games you you create profiles for what do we need as a squad and which players do you need to scout for that and you also uh, learn how to to scout to learn to look how the mentality of a player is so it's a lot of kids have talent boys and girls have talent but how do they react to a negative situation and that's how they respond to something on the pitch or off the pitch that's something that's overlooked a little bit but it's, it's, it's a vital importance of what makes a player uh, suitable for an academy or first team and uh, yeah that's something i've done in the past few years and i, I really enjoy that yeah, I mean, just from that sort of brief introduction there, I mean, it sounds very interesting. You, you're kind of watching, I mean, we all watch football in a certain way. You know, the vast majority of people watch it for, for entertainment purposes. But what you're, what you're doing, or what, at least what it sounds like what you're doing is, you know, you, you're looking at things through, through a different lens, effectively. Um, you know, you're, the, the reacting, it's quite fascinating to me, the, the way that you'd be looking at how players react to to negative situations, whereas you know the the average fan might not be sort of thinking about that in in a situation. So it it does make it quite quite an interesting profession, I, I can imagine. Um, but you just you've also got three flags in in your Twitter bio, and that's the the Netherlands, yeah. of course, um, the Welsh flag, and is it Tanzania as well? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, uh, my, my father is Dutch, and my mom is Tanzanian, and um, yeah, so uh, that's the main reason why those flags are there. Uh, I really strong feel both cultures, both identities as well. So I'm very proud of my Dutch and Tanzanian heritage. Uh, but I'm actually um, Welsh is a big part of my identity as well. My grandfather is Welsh and has family in Wales. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been there a lot of times I'm fascinated by the culture and the languages as well. And, mm. um, um, you know, when people think of Welsh football in a general sense, um, they almost, well, 80% of the time refer to the teams that play in the English football pyramid, uh, league and non-league. Um, but there's so much more about Welsh football that is underlooked and, 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 um, well, this is something I wanted to uh, to address and write about, and I'm, I might have a a kind of exciting project on the way, looking at at statistics uh, from uh, the Welsh Premier League and and, and the league with, with behind that. So yeah, I'm very proud of that Welsh heritage too. So that's why those three flags are up there. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I, I was curious myself. I'm, anybody who follows you on Twitter or anybody who, who doesn't already, I'm sure they'll have been curious as well. So hopefully uh, that will have shed some, some light on it. Uh, and if you do want to, to follow Mark, um, he is at Lambert Mark, Mark with a C uh, on, on Twitter. But I suppose we'd better get into sort of the, the, the meat of this podcast and, and that's the, the, the Dutch scouting. Uh, and, you know, obviously the, the top two tiers in, in the Netherlands being the Eredivisie and the Eerstedivisie. Um, I mean, we'll start with the Eredivisie, which m- most people will, will be familiar with or at least know. Um, you know, summing up that, that division, it's, it's got a reputation for being one of the, the best, you know, top flights in Europe for, for player development. Um, I, th- I mean, I've got my opinions on why that, why that is the case, but um, I, I was quite curious to find out what, what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, um, so basically, uh, what I think that is that um, two things has happened since the 1970s is that 
um, football has had a big part in, in, Dutch, uh, in, du- in Dutch life and the way it's played. Going to football was very important for a lot of people. So that was implemented in all the academies. Uh, and in 1970, Ajax are winning uh, Europa Cups uh, as well. Uh, PSV in the 1980s. Um, so those, those clubs were instrumental to the success uh, of, of, of Dutch football. And that is implemented in, in, in academies. The way it's played is important as well as the result. So not everything about the result is, is a holy thing. And the other, on the other hand, it's very important uh, to see that Dutch football is not as wealthy compared to the big leagues, the big top five leagues, uh, maybe other leagues as well. So um, there is a need to develop players. There's a need to uh, develop players and sell them. And that is how you make money. So because of the sponsors and the budgets are different, uh, there's, there's a need to, to develop. And uh, that means uh, playing youngsters and, and giving them time and, and, and making them... Uh, suitable to, to, to get to other leagues. For example, if you have a, a young player and he doesn't have minutes, he can't develop. And as he does, if he doesn't develop or play minutes, he's not suitable for other clubs. Other clubs want players, young players that have made minutes. So I think that's one of the two things. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think the point that I was going to make was um, the the fact that the the you know the air division doesn't isn't flushed with cash in the same way that that um, you know the other top top European leagues are. I mean, we look at the Premier League. I mean, there's been in in a COVID affected marketplace, there's still been over a billion pounds or a billion euros worth of transfer fees exchanged this summer. Um, obviously, a little bit less uh, in 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 other major leagues across Europe. But I think that kind of shows that. I mean, that, that that's that that would be absolutely unprecedented in the Netherlands. Um, you know, you look mm-hmm. at some of the the record transfer fees for some of the clubs that that regularly play in the top flight, and they're they're only a couple million, if that. And you, it is it is sort of operating on a completely different financial plane. Um, but yeah, that was the point I was going to make: is that naturally you can't spend ten and fifteen million on on players that are going to then just go and sit on the bench. So you what you have to do is essentially promote from within, uh, and and I think that that sets us up nicely for for sort of a little bit of discussion later on uh, in in the, in this podcast episode uh, about the Erste Divisie and why perhaps B teams are, are quite. Um, are quite necessary uh, in in the Netherlands, um, but in terms of you know players that, that you know catch your eye, that's always a, a feature of this podcast. Is we always like to discuss individual players and and what they offer and why they are a name that people should should maybe take note of. Um, but yeah. I mean, for you, who 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 in the, the Eredivisie this season or, or last season, you know, who who are the players that have perhaps you know that to to the mainstream might not be uh, might not be um, as well known, but but should be. Well, I have three players, and they're relatively new, actually, in the Eredivisie, or at at the level they're playing. So we have Quentin Timber, or so his family from Urien Timber. Uh, he moved from Ajax to Utrecht this is this season, and I think he's uh, he will be an outstanding player. Uh, he can play in midfield and defence, um, and his position and vision is really good. Um, you can see. That he knows where, where to position himself, or even though he might physically not have been able to, to, to cover it all, he knows where to position himself to, to make it tough for the opponent. And I think, yeah, passing is good. And as, as a lot of Ike's uh, 
players have and how they have been uh, educated. But I think the anticipation of, of what is happening, so thinking two or three steps ahead of what is happening, attack, attacking-wise or defensive-wise, I think that's a really, really strong point of him. And I think that Utrecht is a very good club for him to go to. It's not like a, a top club. Um, uh, it's not a very established like top five club, but they they're aiming to get to top four every year, top four, top five, and I think that's a very good step to take for a lot of youngsters that can't break into the actual top teams. Uh, so that's my number one pick, uh, mind you. I'm a very defi- uh, I love defenders and defender defensive minded players, so I might be uh, talking a lot about defenders defenders today. Um, second one is Sam Bukma from AZ. He had an excellent season with Go Ahead Eagles uh, last season. Uh, got promoted uh, with them. And yeah, um, for the scouts out there and analysts, he might not be a, a difficult name or a name that you have been hearing before. He has been scouted by a lot of clubs. AZ took him uh, uh, this season. I think he can do a, a really good job with them. Uh, he's excellent in the air. Uh, causes a threat also with attacking set pieces. Um, yeah, he's very focused and, and very determined. So uh, decision-making is absolutely good. And there's no doubt in what he wants to do uh, on the ball and off the ball. Uh, excellent leadership qualities. And I think um, his, his passing and his defensive positioning is, is really good and already one of the best in the league if he also, you know, uh, uh, will develop uh, in the next season. He might be very interesting for a lot of uh, bigger clubs. Uh, in the future, yeah, and, and I know what you mean. And, and going to RZ is obviously a, a well a well trodden pathway. I mean, the, in the past few years, we've seen the likes of Owen Weindahl, um, you know, uh, Calvin Stengs, Myron Boadu. You know, they've been they, they've kind of put themselves onto a, a, another level in terms of you know how they're regarded in European football, and that's through their performances with RZ. Um, and Sam Berkmas, as, as, as you say there, or ha- having signed from Go Ahead Eagles um, this summer. Um, you know, that's what well, this year rather, um, you know, he's, he, he's one that I think, you know, 22 years old, six foot two inches tall, central defender. He certainly has the profile to, to perhaps make it as, um, as, as a, as a more household name in uh, among sort of the, the scouting community. Um, and sort of my, my two picks are a bit, le- a bit less left field than, than those two from you, Mark, um, because they're probably a bit more well-known uh, in, in the UK. Um, and that's Ryan Gravenberg and Noni Madwek, uh, who uh, yeah. are, you know, f- absolutely fantastic players. You know, they're, they're excellent. They've had, they had brilliant seasons last year. Um, they've started this year just as well. Um, and it's, they're, they're two players that I'm, I'm very, very excited about because, I mean, I believe they're still both teenagers, um, which, you know, to be talking about them in such, you know, high regard already, at, you know, before they've even turned 20 to the fact that they've played, you know, in, I mean, in their cases, just over probably about one and a half seasons worth. I mean, uh, in fact, probably less in Madwake's case, considering he was kind of a super sub last season and is now a much more pivotal member of the PSV squad. But um, as, as, a, as a bit of an overview, you know, Ryan Gravenberg is a, is, is, a, is a number eight predominantly, but he can play sort of a little bit deeper. He can also play a little bit forward. Um, he's very, mm-hmm. very rangy. Um, I think he's, he's got a fantastic, you know, fantastic stride. You know, he can cover so much space just by, you know, moving his body to the left or right or forward or backwards um, because he's around six foot three inches tall uh, and just patrols that midfield. Um, I think the one thing that probably stands out to, to most people about 
Gravenberg is is his progressive carrying. Um, you know, he can just take the ball up the pitch at will, and it's you know, th- there's very little that, that other teams can do to stop him, and that kind of lends itself well to to his his natural attacking instinct, which um, uh, which you know is is on display quite often uh, for Ajax. You know kind of uh, obviously one of the strongest teams in in the Netherlands and they they tend to to dominate games um so naturally he's he's going to be involved in in the attacking phases quite often um and what he does do really well is that he supports the attacks quite well you know you'll see a lot of number 8s who'll perhaps play that ball to the forward line and then maybe sit back a little bit and and be a bit more reserved um but with Gravenberg he kind of keeps going and he, he joins the forward line um, or he just hangs back a tiny bit on the edge of the penalty area. Uh, and, and from there, I mean, I'm sure you'll have seen plenty of his, his goals, Mark, but from there, his, his range is spectacular. He's got great, great technique from that position on the pitch. And um, there was a goal that he scored against Leeds in, um, in preseason in a 4 yeah. win, which was just, which was excellent. You know, the, the technique, he, he managed to just hit it low, hit it flat, but hit it really, really powerful. Um, and, and that's something which, if you ha- already have that, it's sort of 18, 19 as a, as a, as a midfielder, um, then yeah, it's certainly something to get excited about. But um, Madueke as well, uh, I think, you know, we talk about players who are going to have breakout seasons all the time. I think this is, you know, the clearest indicate this, the way that he has started this campaign for PSV Eindhoven. Uh, is the you know it's it's the clearest indication of this is the potential for a breakout year. Um, we discussed him briefly on this podcast uh, a little while ago, probably around summer 2020, as he was just kind of breaking into the first team at PSV, um, mm-hmm. and he was you know you could see there was definitely something there. But over the past six months, six to eight months, as he's started to become a bit more of a regular starter for PSV, you know he's become really really important and you know anytime you, you tune in to watch a PSV game now there's a very very good chance that he's either going to get on the score sheet or he's going to assist somebody because he's so direct um, you know he's got I, I think in my profile in one of the scouted football handbooks on on Madwick I, I profiled him and, and I said that he's kind of a bit like a dodgem car where he kind of just bounces off um, opposition challenges he kind of uses them as a buffer to kind of just move through challenges and um, I think again in the same way that with Gravenberg having uh, the ability to to you know support attacks to, to be already a really first class progressive carrier um, you know Madawick is the same in terms of his ability to 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 evade pressure to evade danger um, in in the final third especially um, and I think if if anybody hasn't heard of him before, he's he's a he, he's English first and foremost. Um, he um, <laughs> he was he came through the uh, the the Tottenham Hotspur um, academy. Uh, had some previous at Crystal Palace as well, um, and but decided sixteen decided to go over to the Netherlands. And you know it's a it's a move which has paid dividends massively for him because he's now a, a starter at one of the one of the the biggest Dutch clubs there is. So um, I think we'll definitely be seeing more of him. We'll definitely be hearing more about him um, and. Just as a final point on him, um, whenever I see him do interviews, he just seems as though he's this really jovial, really you know down to earth kind of guy. He seems seems as though he's like you know quite quite easy to get along with, and and kind of rides the, the 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 difficult questioning that he sometimes gets from interviewers. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely one which I mean for me, uh, he's he's absolutely set for it for a breakout season. I don't know if you agree, Mark. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think he made the right choice to go to PSV as well. Um, and in the terms of talent development, I, I think it's going to be a really good season for him. And um, 
I think uh, he has a good attitude, and with this, with this coach, with this manager, uh, you, re- yeah, a mentality is a, is a big thing, and you can be as talented as as you want, but the mentality aspect, that's what he wants, and if you combine it with the massive amount of talent he has, um, yeah, you, you well, it's difficult to say where he will end, but I will definitely go to a top five league club and 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 and, and a top half club as well. So it's it's very exciting to see him. He's so direct. He he has confidence. He he doesn't he has no doubts in what he wants to do with his actions. So that's very exciting. Good a good shot on both feet. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm really excited to see him this season, and uh, I really believe that, he, that this will also be like his breakout season, also his last season in Eredivisie if he continues like this. Yeah, I think that's a, a reality, isn't it, for for a lot of standout players in the Eredivisie, is that you know you you do get to a point where you think you know the top five leagues are going to be calling, and and no doubt already uh, you know a, a flurry of top clubs will have been tracking him uh, and tracking his progress. So uh, it seems a matter of when, not if, for him. Um, but moving on to sort of the, the Erster Divisie, uh, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, and this is perhaps one of the areas which the majority of people listening to this pod won't have, you know, too much for knowledge about. Um, the, I mean, the extent of my knowledge of the Erster Divisie is that it's a really high scoring division. Um, last season, we, we saw Camber Leerwarden, um, the pronunciation I've probably butchered there, um, but they scored 109 goals in 38 games uh, and went up as champions. So they're playing in the Air Divisie this season. Um, but also there's, there's the, the B team model, which kind of works in, in, in the Erste Divisie as well, where you've got the, the, the young PSV, young Ajax, young AZ and young Utrecht sides, which are essentially development teams. They're, they're feeder teams to, to the senior squads who play in the top flight. Um, they, they, I mean, the, the experience that those players get of playing professional football at, you know, 17, 18, uh, which prepares them for going up against, uh, you know, European level opposition when they come to come to play for the senior squads in the air division. I mean, Ryan Gravenberg is a, is a prime example of that. You know, he, I mean, he, I think he made his his young Ajax debut when he was around sixteen, um, but has you know he's he's come through the ranks and and you know earned his place in the Ajax team. Um, just going back to the point about it being a high scoring league. I mean, Mark, I'm sure you, I mean, I know you have a much better grasp of, of the Erste Divisie than I do. Um, but what, why is it that it's consistently a, a really high scoring division? Um, so when you look at top flights, um, the main, what you can say is that the, 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 team, the top team with the best defense becomes champion because the attack is so high quality that the best defense uh, naturally uh, it's up there. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about if you look at the Premier League or, uh, or, or Serie A or um, Primera La Liga, that's the case. But in the East Division, it's, it's so unpredictable. Everyone can win from each other. So there are a lot of the emphasis is on technique, the technique. So attacking football, everyone plays attacking football. There's no one that, 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 that sits back and throws it in the bus. Why that? No, well, there's, a, there's a reason relegation is not fully incorporated. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of development going on, even if you are 19th or 18th. Another thing is that people always want the ball as a technical, and scoring, scoring is, is a natural thing. But so, there's, there are not a lot of uh, matches where the other team doesn't score. Um, so, if you are technical, gift technical, you will win the league. So you can see that the high-scoring teams will 
officially be in, in, in contention for promotion. Cambiale is a different case because they were really good. A year before, they were champions as well, but they were, uh, the season was not avoid because of the corona pandemic, COVID pandemic. But they kept their squad together, they kept the faith, and they played massively. Had a really good striker. And, and the thing is that you can see that as well in England with players that are Premier League quality but go to the championship and have enormous seasons. That's the thing with Cambia also. There were a few players who could have played air division level, but they prefer to choose to play in an attacking squad and a possession dominating squad than playing against relegation. And the relegation fight in the Netherlands in the air division is very much a a um, defensive-minded player style. So if you've got the ball as an attacker, you need to be good with, with room and space before you. You have to be agile, quick, uh, good in the counter-attack. And not every, every player is built like that. So I think it's a combination of good players coming into uh, the, top, the top clubs in Air First Division, Air Divisi, and the way it is played. Everyone wants to score. Everyone wants to attack. Everyone... I don't like the phrase everyone wants to play because if you are a defensive-minded team with uh, a low block, you're also wanting to play. Uh, also, don't pref- I don't like when people say anti- anti-football, anti-football. But the reality is that every team wants to play uh, offensive football. And that's why you have, uh, sometimes you have a six-month, sometimes you have a five-three, sometimes you have a four-two, sometimes it's just a very high-scoring league. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. And as I was doing sort of the research for this pod, I was browsing over sort of the goals and assist tallies of um, certain players. And I spotted that, that was it Robert Muren, who, who, who was involved in something like 50 goals last season uh, with like 38 goals of his own and then like 12 assists uh, for Volendam, yeah. which was just, I mean, it's, they're incredible numbers. But I do, I do echo what you're trying to say about you know, I I don't like it when people say, "Oh, that's this is anti football," or it's you know, it's 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 you know, it's it's a it's a different way of playing. That's essentially what it is. You know, it's 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 a different style, and it's you know, a lot of the time it's to do with a, a specific team's strengths. But if there's um yeah, if if there's I mean, league wide, if you know the finances are quite quite level compared to other divisions, then naturally that is going to to breed a, a competition where anybody can be anybody, and and as a result, you will get um, more entertaining competitive matches uh, at that level but um you, you've also got a relationship with Vivi Venlo um and mm-hmm. I was I was quite curious about them because they're not a club that I have a, a lot of um experience with um I don't think I've ever watched the game that they've played apart from maybe last season when they played Ajax with that that famous famous game which you probably won't like me yeah. bringing up of course but um <laughs> I mean, this season, what is it about them? That, that is there anything to be excited about? Are there any any players, any under twenty three players in particular that you think maybe are in in that bracket where they are they're playing Erste Divisie football when they could actually play Eredivisie football? Um, the thing is that uh, a lot of players have left uh, naturally because of relegation. Um, we had the top scorer of the Eredivisie who hasn't been sold yet. Uh, but you never know when this pot come out, comes out what, what has happened. But he needs to be sold in order to get more players, more suitable for this, for, for, for what we're aiming for. So the, the idea is to reach a playoff top eight. Uh, but we have a lot of players uh, that come in from the under-21 side uh, and are now in the first team. 
and they have the opportunity to play and they can play because there's a level below but also they're very very enthusiastic and they know how to play so there are a few guys i think are doing well for this level and could grow into the Eredivisie level um, but uh, right now i'm really excited about wasim esanusi uh, he plays in the midfield he can play some, uh, like an like an eight but also as a 10 has a really good pass uh, good vision he sees things just slightly quicker than other players from his age and level. He's 70, 18, and he plays for um, Morocco under 20. And he has been followed by Ajax and Feyenoord for the last two or three years. And uh, yeah, for him, it's good to have a full season. Uh, there are a lot of players, uh, I think, uh, a total of seven players under the age of 20 have already uh, played this season, which is insane. But it also means that this season is not a season that we can get promoted in my opinion it's a it, it's a project so i believe that in three seasons time we are fully a candidate to go up but not yet and we are a relatively small club a club that's sometimes too big for the first division and too small for the first division uh for air division uh i'm not sure maybe you can relate to Nor- norwich in a way um you know that they are they are in and around the premier league but when they go down it doesn't take a long, a long time to get back, or at least the last few seasons. And I think uh, with us, the, the, the potential is there to be a contender every year in the, in the SDVZ. But because of finances and, and the COVID pandemic and, and players not sold, um, I think this season is going to be a very difficult season where we will not uh, be a title contender and we could be very happy and lucky to uh, reach the playoffs for a promotion in the end. Yeah, I can't believe that. I completely forgot to, to mention Giacomakis, who is, of course, the striker oh. that you mentioned there. I mean, that is probably the one other thing that I do know about VVV. Um, that it's something like, was it 26 and 30 last season or something that he got in, yeah. in the league? I mean, absolutely ridiculous numbers. And there's been interest from Werder Bremen and, and, and from Celtic as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a transfer that, that will happen, um, you know, for, for the reasons that you outlined just there. But um, uh, um, Vasim Esanusi is, is a name that I hadn't come across before. So I'll, I'll definitely um, note that one down somewhere and, and maybe keep an eye on him. But um, we, we were discussing uh, just before how, you know, how the PSV, Ajax, AZ, Utrecht um, have, have sort of their B teams in, in the Erste Divisi. Uh, obviously, they're not eligible for promotion because, of, you know, Ajax can't play against young Ajax in a competitive game, that sort of thing. Um, mm. what, I mean, you, you look at the, 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 the young Ajax team, it's essentially, it's an under-21 team. You know, you rarely get players in that side who are older than, than that. Um, and, and that's the same for the other young young teams. Um, you know, do, do you think in what what's the stance in the Netherlands? Do B teams work? Because I know that in the UK there's you know the the there's a quite a, a bit of bite back against the the prospect of you know having under twenty three teams playing um, you know senior teams um, in 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 league competition, which has been suggested, but I don't think it's a realistic proposition. Um, uh, what's the stance from the Netherlands? I think I, I, I presume that it's probably a different, you know, the, the, the stance is a little bit different considering the, you know, the finances and the, the fact that it, it effectively does guarantee a few clubs in the Eredivisie that, you know, their, their players who are going to come in and make debuts in the senior squad already have, you know, a, a repertoire of, um, a repertoire of skills that they've, that they've gained from playing senior football in the Eredivisie with the, the young teams. 
I think it's a it's, it's, it's a debate of the heart against the head. You know, what does the heart say about the B teams, and what does the head say as a fan? As a fan, you want to be opposed, which you want to play against unique clubs. You don't want to play against um, teams that are development schools. So they are about developing, and they and they are different, and and and, and that's the fan mentality. So don't ruin that league with a copy of another club. And also sometimes when you come back from an international tournament and some players have to re recover and play minutes, they come into uh, the, the, the young Ajax team or whatever. So, uh, for example, Fifi played uh, after the World Cup of 2014, we played against young Ajax and there were three or four players who were in the, in the Dutch squad. So that's, that's something that, that stings for people. But in the sense of raising the level of the league and, and giving those players a chance to play. When we were champions, became champions in 16-17, we played away at Ajax. And then that squad was Van der Beek, De Jong, Masrui. Uh, those players were in that squad already. We battled them 0-4, but those players got minutes, got experience that they won't have at Ajax. Because Ajax, the first team, wouldn't lose 0-4 against VVV in normal, if you take a normal, normal season. But that's an experience for those players that they can have, and that's really good, I think. But the case is, you can compare to Germany, where Germany says, okay, in the, in the Bundesliga and then in the second Bundesliga, you can't have those teams. But in the, in the, in the Dritte Liga, so the third year, you can have those teams. So you have Borussia Dortmund, for example. You have Bayern Munich playing there. So they are developing as well. But I think, in the sense of developing players, uh, it's very good, especially if you take a, a, a set uh, group playing in and out every week. They are developing. And and Ajax can Ajax and PSV and Utrecht and Azad can keep monitoring that player. So I think that's very good. And you can see that Azad is, at the moment is, is, is on top, young Azad. But for the players and for, for the club, it's a good strategy. But the thing is, the emotion of the fans, for the supporters, and the emotion of that, that's the thing that's against it. So I'm, I'm a little bit 50-50 on it. I can see it on, on the development side, but yeah, you know, on, on a fan side, I, I, would, I would rather have a, a nice away day to another unique stadium I haven't seen before than, than to go to a, a, a youth, a youth uh, academy uh, situation. Mm, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, I think that's kind of one of the, 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 there are merits to it, but there are also drawbacks in that it does feel a bit sanitized and sterilized if you're playing the, the youth team of a, of a big club who effectively, you know, can, you know, pump resources into, you know, pump more resources into their youth team than if you're a, a fan of a second division club, um, you know, You've, you, they've got more resources than, than you have for your entire first team. And it doesn't feel like a fair fight. Um, and I mean, yeah, from purely from a fan's perspective, of course, yeah, you want to go to a unique stadium rather than, you know, obviously the two comps is a, is, is a, you know, it's, it's a great, you know, great facilities, but it does, it doesn't quite feel as though it's, you know, a, a proper football club in and of itself. You know, you know that it's a training yeah. ground essentially. Um Whereas, you know, if you were going to somewhere like VVV or, you know, to, to Cambio or, or somewhere like that, um, it, it would be, you know, a bit, a bit different. Or, or even clubs like, I mean, especially, especially Sparta Rotterdam, where they have the, the, one of the most unique stadiums uh, that I've come across with the, the I, don't, I don't know what you'd call it. Is it sort of like a bell tower in the, in, in, the, in the middle of one of the stands? I think it's brilliant. 
um but, yeah it's called a castle so uh, yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um that's that, that's one of the the things that I'd, I'd prefer to do rather than go into a youth academy facility but um yeah i can see that there are merits and, and there are drawbacks um now i don't have a, a great grasp on on teams and uh and, and individual players in the Erste Divisie, uh, but i do know from speaking to to lou uh, scouted that he's he's a he's a a distant follower of um fc volendam um because they've got players such as you know mickey van der ven uh, obviously last year they had robert muren um in in you know scoring 50 goals or being involved in 50 goals um they had um samuele mulattieri who was on loan from um from Inter Milan's uh, Primavera team, their under-19 team. Uh, and this year, I can't remember the player's name, but they also do have another one from Inter or, or from, from one of the Primavera teams in Italy on loan again. Yeah. Um, mm. Volendama, I think if I was going to pick a team in the Erste Divisie to, to loosely support, I think it would be them on the basis that they're pretty much the team that I know most about and they are, of course, a team in their own right. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that... Um... Every team has an exciting squad. Uh, every team has, you know, that standout player, that that that, that seasoned player, and that that, that one two talents breaking through. Um, the, the the thing is that a lot of the talents are, are are getting transferred to bigger academies from the 15, 16. So what is left are not exactly the top of the bunch, but still there are some gems in the in the in the division. And they're making minutes, and that's that, that's the thing. What I said earlier: if they're making minutes, they're more. Uh, that's that's kind of a thing for bigger clubs because they have the minutes on professional level. They know what it is to get results instead of only developing. And I think that's that's why this league is so suitable for young talents uh, coming in, and uh, also talents coming in for the semi semi professional leagues by playing the minutes and then go into the Eredivisie or the the Triple Pro League in Belgium. Um, that's a whole other thing, but that's a really good feeder ground for 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 talents and, and for talents to develop. And I think that there are a lot of talents, uh, a few more obvious than others. But if you play in that division, you come back stronger. Uh, for example, uh, Luis Fiorini uh, played at Nag Breda last season for Manchester City, and I think he seasoned really well. He matured really well on the pitch. He know how to score. He does. No, not only to make action, but make decisive action. What leads to an assist? What leads to a goal-scoring opportunity? What leads to a goal? When do you shoot? When do you not shoot? Do you listen to more uh, uh, seasoned players or do you take your own chance? That kind of thing that happens in those leagues. And that's why a loan can be very good for those players. Yeah, and the more that you mention um, th- about the Erste Divisie, the more I realise I actually do know about it because I do know about Louis Fiorini as well, who's obviously a, a Scottish youth international who was uh, at, at Nac Breda last season, uh, as he said. Um, but yeah, Molatieri was one who, I think he scored 18 last season for Volendam. Um, Mickey van der Ven, he is... Um, I, I, did, I did read somewhere that there was some interest from, from Marseille, of all clubs, yeah. earlier on in the window, um, which... It's really curious because you wouldn't think that, um, that, that, I mean, ordinarily you wouldn't think that clubs would be scouting the Erste Divisie like that, but because typically you, you'd get players which would, if they weren't immediately fast-tracked to the top academies at 15 and 16, as you say, um, then they would then be, the, the ones from the Erste Divisie would then be signed in the Eredivisie uh, by clubs in the Eredivisie and then clubs in Liga, Bundesliga, that sort of thing would go for them. But um it seemed as though Marseille were, were sort of looking to cut out the middleman there. I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if you have any idea of whether that was genuine or it was just... Yeah, 
Yeah, the thing is that when these clubs come in and, and it's very difficult to assess how serious they are, what, are the, what is the plan? So, for example, Paris Saint-Germain also comes a lot uh, with players. So, but they are fillers for the second team and they don't have, an, uh, have a possibility to make it in the first team. So, um, in what way are you trying to build your under-10-3 start and in what way are they serious about the chance to the first team? Uh, and that's the thing uh, which should be assessed in that way. So I'm not not sure what happened, but I think that the the, the idea of where he will go, his career path at Olympique Marseille, would be uh, not as attractive as they uh, sought out to be. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, the the fact that you don't want to be coming in to to then essentially play in, in a B team essentially when when you could be playing senior football for a for a, for a senior club, uh, and if in and also I suppose if Marseille are interested in you and you're only playing in the Eerste Divisie, then clearly you've made a good enough impression on somebody somewhere that that the, that means by proxy other teams will be looking at you. Um, maybe not of the same prestige as Marseille, but to other teams who can offer you you know top flight football elsewhere. But um, Mark, I don't know if you've got any individual player picks just to finish us off from from the Erste Divisie, perhaps to look out for this season. None as as on the same level as the ones that that we discussed in the Air Divisie. But um, do you have any any for us? Yeah, I have uh, two. I have uh, Duivestein from Almere City. He played for Helmond Sport last season. Played uh, now for Almere. They are a very ambitious team, uh, and I just love his dynamic play. He's all everywhere. He, he, put so much energy in the box and he scored against us uh, against VV last uh, last uh, Saturday but he was, he's just so energetic and he wants wants to be in the attack and helps in the, in the counter pressing and in the pressing that was what I was really impressed with with Dovestein from uh, Almere City and uh, yeah someone with a funny name Jess Horncomb um, he plays for FC Den Bosch and uh, yeah, he's really, really good. He has a really good strike ability, but also can play as a as a right back or a left back. So I'm really excited to see him develop. I think he will have a breakout season. Just Hornkamp at Arsenal and Boss. Dan Boss is um, is a team to uh, look out for. They are just uh, they have been taken over by a a, a group of uh, football clubs, and um, yeah, they're going to be very interesting to follow this season. Yeah, Jis Hornkamp, uh, possibly one of the best names in football the world over, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, if he ends up having a breakout season, then I think there'll be uh, quite a few people uh, cottoning on to the fact that that is, in fact, his name. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Mark, for, for joining me on, on this week's pod. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk about uh, Dutch football, the, the trends in sort of with B teams and whatnot, and, and you know, individual players, uh, and, and as well, your own experience. Um, yeah, as I said, if you'd like to follow Mark, uh, and I do thoroughly recommend recommend it for, for some really insightful and fascinating um, you know, data visualizations and, and tactical concepts and just general scouting chit chat, um, then do follow Mark on Twitter at Lambert Mark. Um, but that is all from us on the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Stay safe. Take care. Bye for now.